Amen. That's what it's all about. Man, when we worship, when we worship, one, one statement, one statement this past Sunday is just going over and over and over in my head. You know, the, the, the question, if, some, if a lost person came and sat beside me, would he want what I have by the way I worship? And that is, that is critical, amen? So make sure and get that, the, the, the version that we're going to do. Uh, Brother Jalen has posted it and, uh, and, and put a link to it on, uh, I think it's the uh, uh, Temple Baptist Facebook. Is that right? Somebody can help me with that. Miss Belisa, is that right? Is that where he put it on, the, I think, the Temple Baptist Facebook? So you can go to that. She's just shaking her head. She don't have a clue what I just said, amen? <laughs> but uh, Anyway, we can help you get that. Listen to it over and over and over. I want you to learn the words, learn the song. Uh, we're going to sing it and we're going to glorify God with it. Amen? John chapter number 13. John chapter number 13. Uh, and and we're, gonna, we're, going to, we're going to not finish tonight. We'll just, we'll just say it right away, right off the bat. Amen? We're not going to finish this chapter. Uh, but we're going to almost finish it. Uh, John chapter number 13. Uh, we just to kind of bring you up to, to speak. Well, I tell you what, let's all stand. Everybody stand, stretch your legs a minute. We're going to read uh, just a couple verses, uh, just a couple verses, and then and then we'll we'll pray, and you can sit down, and we'll get started. All right, John chapter thirteen, in verse number thirty-three. <coughs> verse thirty-three. When you get there, say amen. amen. Little children. Now keep in mind, he's talking to grown men, his disciples. Uh, seasoned fishermen, uh, a rough crowd, if you will, and he calls them little children. This kind of this kind of tells you the uh, kind of the, the the mood and the atmosphere of what's going on. Little children, yet a little while I'm with you. You shall seek me, as I said unto the Jews. Whether I go, ye cannot come. So now I say to you, in other words, because. Because of that, because I only have a little bit of time, because I'm fixing to leave and you can't come with me right now, I got to tell you something. It's really important. So now I say to you, a new commandment I give unto you, that ye love one another. Say that with me. That ye as I have loved you, that ye also love one another. By this shall all men know ye are my disciples. If ye have love one to another, by this shall all men know that ye are my disciples, if ye have love one to another. Lord, thank you so much for just an awesome crowd tonight. Lord, people are hungry. They're hungry for your word. They're hungry uh, for your presence and your spirit. Lord, I pray that they won't leave disappointed. I pray that you'll touch them and help them. And uh, Lord, just, just give me the ability to, to share your word in such a way that it's easy to understand Lord, it's, it, it's, it's, I don't want to say it's easy to apply because none of it's easy to apply. But God, help us to live in a way where we can. Lord, this is not something we just need to hear and let it go through one ear and out the other. It's something we need to practice. It needs to bring a challenge. It needs to be convicting to us. God, help us. to. We, this is a really important subject, Lord. Help us to be better at it. And Lord, we'll thank you for it in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. You can be seated. You can be seated. Jesus is in the upper room. Uh, he's in the upper room. Y'all know this for those that hadn't been here on Wednesday night. Uh, he's in the upper room. He's fixing to be arrested. He's fixing to be on trial. Uh, he's fixing to be crucified. Uh, this is kind of a, 
a last-minute dinner with his disciples that's been following him for three years. And, and if you will go back, if you will go back at the beginning of the chapter, you'll find out Jesus had a great desire to meet with them and spend this time with them. This was an intimate time, an intimate dinner, a time that they, he, they could be together and, and uh, uh, have this time of fellowship. And now the time he's dismissed, he's dismissed Judas. He's already revealed the traitor. Uh, and, and, and Judas is going to do his thing. He's going to uh, 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 betray the Lord. And, and so now it's just him and the true believers, the true disciples. And, and, and he tells them, little children, he's speaking to them, he's speaking to them in, in a way of love, in a way of compassion, uh, uh, the tenderness. How, how many of y'all can see the tenderness in this? Uh, you, you know, it, it's like somebody, he, he knows where they're at. He knows, he knows their, their condition. He knows they're still arguing. They're arguing over who's going to be the greatest. He gives them a lesson, and, and by bowing, or bowing, he got down and washed their feet, and, and, and all of this is going on. And Jesus is saying, look, look, I'm fixing to leave. Now, I don't have a whole lot of time. I don't have a whole lot of time, so, so you need to listen up really good. I'm fixing to go, and where I'm going, you can't come. Now, you got to understand you got to understand the significance of this. They have left all of their careers, all of them. The fishermen have left the boats. The tax collector has left his table. Everybody has left everything to follow Jesus. And for three years, they followed him. Everywhere he went, they went. Everywhere he stayed, they stayed. Where he stopped, they stopped. When he went, they went. They were there 24-7 following their master. And now he says, I got to go. And then he says this, and because of that, because of that, I'm going to tell you this. Because I got to go, because you can't come to where I'm going, this is what I want you to know. I'm going to give you a new commandment. Now, here's the thing. Here's the significant thing about this. The word new is a little tricky here. <clears throat> we, we, usually when we see the word new, we think different right? We think different. Okay, this is a command that we've never had before, but that's not necessarily true because if you go back to Leviticus, loving your neighbor is as old as the Old Testament, amen? The Bible says you should not have a grudge against anyone, uh, owe no man anything but to love them. Love your neighbor as yourself, as yourself. So, so this, is really, this is really nothing new, and, and he says, I'm going to give you a new commandment that you love one another, even as I have loved you, love one another. By this shall all men know that ye are my disciples, by your love one with another. So if you're taking notes, if you're writing those down, write this down and then we'll, we'll jump right into the lesson. All right, number one, I want you to see an expectation. In Jesus' last words, in, his, in his, his last instructions, if you will, with his disciples, he gives them an expectation an expectation. How many of y'all know God has a, a great expectation for all of us? An expectation. What is this? Two things. Two things. Write this down. First, I want you to see a command that's given. A command that's given. And in the word, he said a new commandment. A new commandment. Command. If you look up the word in, in, in Webster's Dictionary, command means a mandate. It means an order from authority. In other words, this is not a suggestion. 
Jesus is not suggesting that you do this. He's not saying it might be a good idea if you practice love one with another. He's not saying that. He says this is a commandment. This is an order from your master. This is an order. Now, it's a new one. And the word new here, if you look that word up, the word new means fresh. It means fresh. Basically, basically, I'm not going to read the notes, but you read it later, but it means the opposite of wore out. How many y'all? How many y'all had a wore out mattress, right? Or 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 wore out? You flipped it over, amen. Got the fresh side. It's fresh. Now, now, what is he saying? Why would he have to say that to them? Why would he? Why would he have to give that kind of instruction to them? If if back in the Old Testament you're already supposed to be loving your neighbor, guess what? They wasn't. They wasn't. They wasn't practicing this. They were arguing over who was going to be the greatest. They had their own, they had their own interest in mind. They cared about their own glory. They cared about their own interest. Listen, not only that, what they had seen, uh, uh, what they had seen shown in front of them or modeled in front of them was anything but love. If you, if you read, <clears throat> if you read the treatment of the Pharisees with the Lord Jesus, you don't find love anywhere. What do you find? Legalism. What do you find? Bitterness. What do you find? Uh, 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 Restrictions and rules. Everything was based on rules. Uh, Do this. Don't do that. Uh, And and when Jesus came, everything was based on relationship. It was based on love. He did what he did out of love. He said what he said out of love. And this was totally opposite of the Pharisees. They worked by rules, regulations. He worked by relationship. And love. Imagine this. Imagine this. Imagine a, a marriage. Imagine a marriage. In the marriage, you have a list of rules for the husband, a list of rules for the wife, and you just went by the rules. What kind of wife would that be? I would say that would help us men a little bit, though. <laughs> Amen, men? I, you know, you hear that, oh, you should already know. We don't, all right? We don't know. Tell us. Please help us with that. Amen? Amen. But that's not the way that's supposed to work. We're supposed to love each other. We're supposed to be motivated by love. We're supposed to do what we do by love. Well, he's saying, I'm going to tell you something new. I'm going to tell you something that's not happening right now. I'm going to tell you something you, you, you haven't seen uh, shown to you. The Pharisees are not doing this. religious crowd you grew up in and grew up around is not doing this. But this is, this is fresh. I want you to have an experience because it's going to be different than you've ever seen and different than you've ever experienced before. I command you to love one another. Now, what is, what is love? What is love? I, I, I put, I put in your in your notes, First uh, Corinthians. Let me go back to Romans. Let me go back to Romans thirteen. <clears throat> Watch this here, right in your notes, Romans thirteen eight. Owe no man anything. In other words, pay your debts, pay your debts, but to love one another. For he that loveth another hath fulfilled the law. How's that? How's that? You remember what Jesus said? Remember what Jesus said about the law? He said, he said when, you, when you love, when you love, you fulfill the law. But how? Watch, he, he describes it in Romans. Paul describes it. For this, thou shalt not commit adultery. Thou shalt not kill. Thou shalt not steal. Thou shalt not bear false witness. Thou shalt not covet. If there be any other commandment, it is briefly comprehended in this saying. Namely, thou shalt love thy neighbor as thyself. Because love worketh no ill to his neighbor. Therefore, love is the fulfilling of the law. In other words, if you truly love someone, you don't have to have a list. 
Because if you truly love, you're not going to cheat on them. You're not going to kill them. You're not going to steal from them. You're not going to harm them. Love handles all of that. Are y'all with me? So when you truly love, it handles all the law. You don't need a list of rules. You don't need commandments. You don't need laws. You don't need none of that stuff. Why? Because love covers it all. He said, this is what I want you to do. This is how I want you to behave. Now look at this. I went to, I went to 1 Corinthians. <clears throat> I went to 1 Corinthians because Paul, some, some writers say this is one of the greatest literary, literary pieces that Paul ever wrote. In, in 1 Corinthians chapter 13, 1 Corinthians chapter 13 is known as the love chapter. In your, in your King James Bible, it's using the word charity, which we know is the word love. And he begins to describe, he's talking to a carnal church. He's talking to a spoiled, rotten church. He's talking to an immature church. They had doctrine. I can show you verses that, that declared that they had sound doctrine. Not only did they have sound doctrine, uh, they, uh, they had gifts. They were spiritually gifted. But guess what? Even with their spiritual gifts and their sound doctrine, they were spoiled brats fighting one another. You know why? Because you can have sound doctrine and spiritual gifts and not have love. I've seen people, I've seen people take the Bible and crack it over somebody's head. I'm talking about, you know, theoretically with verses and just be mean with it. Yeah, you knew verses. You knew a bunch of verses. But you didn't know the spirit of the word you were reading. You know what Paul says? Look what he says. 1 Corinthians 13, 1. <clears throat> Though I speak with the tongues of men and of angels and have not charity, I am become a sounding brass and a tinkling cymbal. Just a bunch of noise. Though I have the gift of prophecy and understand all mysteries and all knowledge, and though I have all faith so that I could remember uh, remove mountains and have not charity or love. I am. I can be gifted. I can be charitable. I can even be sacrificial. He says, and though I bestow all my goods to feed the poor, though I give my body to be burned and have not charity, it profiteth me nothing. What, what did this church in Corinth not have? Love. And because of that, they were fighting. Because of that, they were squabbling. Even though they had sound doctrine, even though they were spiritually gifted, they were missing the most important ingredient, and that's love. Then he says this. He begins to describe it. How many of y'all know we use that word way too loosely? Way too loosely. Just this week, just this week, someone was asking me about my dog, and I said, man, I love my dog. Boy, he was treeing every breath. I'm talking about bark rubbing, belly rubbing, slobber mouth, acorn shaking. Man, I love my dog. But then when I got home and I was going to bed, I said, baby, I love you. I love chicken wings. You see what I'm talking about? Sometimes we throw this word around and we don't even know what we're talking about. I see, <laughs> I see young people on Facebook. I love him. No, you don't. 
You might lust him, but you don't love him. Love is not a feeling. Most of the things that we think is love is nothing more than infatuation. That's why many marriages last about two years because that's about, and some, most, some of them not even that. Because they, they sing the song, I lost that love and feeling. And it was never love in, in the beginning. It was an infatuation. You see, see, real love kicks in when the infatuation ends. Because, because you stay in the deal because you're infatuated. And it's more hormones and, and anyway, you get it. Amen? But then when all that's over and you choose to stay. And you choose to do what we're fixing to read. That's love. And this is what God is expecting out of us. This is what, not just our spouses, our neighbors. Not just our neighbors, but according to Jesus, our enemies. Mm. Mm. It's getting quiet in here. Somebody must have argued with their neighbor this week. Watch what, watch what love is. Love suffereth long. That's the word patient. Love is patient. Love is not impatient. We say we love our spouse. We say we love our family and our friends and whatever. But how many times do we get impatient with them? Love is not only patient, but love is kind. What is kind? It means to do good. It means to, just to be nice. Love is kind. Love envieth not. You know what? Anybody can be with you in your sorrow. Now y'all listen real good to what I'm fixing to say. Anybody can be with you in your sorrow. But the real friend is the one that's with you in your success. When you're down, you're not a threat to nobody. They'll be with you. We're with you. But when God blesses you more than them, be careful with that person who can't rejoice with you when God's blessed you. Because see, love, love wants the best for everybody. Love wants the best for everybody. Anyway, you'll get that. You'll learn that if you hadn't already. Love envieth not. Love vaunteth not itself. What does that mean? It means to boast or brag. Love is not all about its own self. <clears throat> it says not puffed up. Whatever it means, arrogant. An arrogant person has no capacity to love because they're all about themselves. Doth not behave itself unseemly. That means rude. See, a rude person, they have an issue with love. And they have an issue with love because they have an issue with humility. Because you can't love without humility. Seeketh not her own. That means unselfish. Unselfish. It's not easily provoked. How quick can you get mad? How quick can you get angry? Does it, does it take much to set you off? 
then you might need to you might need to get along with the Lord and ask for some help. Because that's a, that's an automatic indication that you have a love deficiency. Thinketh no evil. In other words, you're not you're not the type that's going to think bad about every person. You're going to see good in everybody. Little Johnny come home and said, uh, we're supposed to think positive about everybody. And, and Mama said, that's right. She said, what about the devil? She thought a minute. She said, well, he sure is persistent. <laughs> Love rejoiceth not in iniquity, but rejoiceth in the truth. Watch this. Beareth all things, believeth all things, hopeth all things, endureth all things. <laughs> the writer said it this way. Listen to this. This is great. Love is action, not abstraction. Positively, love is patient with people and gracious to them with generosity. Negatively, love never envies or brags or is arrogant since that is the opposite of selfless service to others. Never rude or overbearing. Love never wants to its own way, is not irritated or angered in personal offense, and finds no pleasure in someone else's sin. In other words, when you see somebody that's fallen and messed up, you get some kind of kick out of that. So you share it on Facebook. Love don't do that. It says, it says even the sin of an enemy. On the positive side again, Love is devoted to truth in everything with regard to all things. Within God's righteous and gracious will, love protects, believes, hopes, endures what others reject. That's love. Now, how many of y'all are like me? And we can stop right here and go ahead and give the invitation. Let's just come on to the altar. You see why he's saying I'm telling you something new? Because they ain't doing this. Matter of fact, matter of fact, when they were rejected by a certain group of people, a couple of the brothers came to Jesus and said, should we call fire down from heaven? And Jesus says, you don't get it. You don't get it. They were self-righteous. He says, look, man, I didn't, I didn't come to destroy. I came to save people. You know what he was acting? He was acting in love. These guys didn't get it. And so he says, I'm giving you a command. Now, I know what you're thinking. I know what you're thinking. I'll never be able to do that. I'll never be a preacher. You don't know. I, I'm weak. I, I mean, I, I got, I, I'm struggling with that whole list. Well, guess what? Write this down. Two. We have an expectation, we have an expectation because of the command he gave us, but not only that, but the companion he gave us, the companion he gave us. Watch what it says. It says, a new commandment, <clears throat> a new commandment I give unto you that you love one another as what? As I have loved you. Love like I did. Now, how are we going to do that? How are we going to do that? Look what it says. Look what it says in Romans 5, 5. Are you there? Say amen. amen. And hope maketh not ashamed because the love of God, the love of what? 
God. Now, how many of y'all could say that 1 Corinthians 13, the description of that kind of love is, is, is the description of God's kind of love? We can say amen to that, right? So, so God's love, the kind of love we're supposed to have, the kind of love we're supposed to show and, and exhibit, uh, God's love is shed abroad in our hearts, right? By, come on everybody, by the Holy Ghost. In other words, <coughs> in other words, what he's saying here is the love that you're, you need to have and the love that he's expecting you to have, the love that he's expecting you to show, the love he's expecting you to give, that kind that doesn't envy, that kind that's not puffed up, the kind that doesn't think about itself, the kind that endureth all things and beareth all things, the kind that forgives and the kind that forbears, the kind that will be there thick and thin, that kind of love He's going to give you. And he's going to give you it through the Holy Ghost. Are y'all with me? You know what that teaches me? I don't have that kind of love on my own. I don't have in my natural state, in my natural state, I don't have that kind of love. I don't have that kind of ability. What does that mean? You can't really love your spouse. You can't really love your children. You can't really love your neighbor. You really can't love your enemy without God's help. But we don't need to, we don't need to just throw in the towel and throw our hands up and say, I'll never be able to love like that. I'll never be able to be nailed to a cross and say, Father, forgive them for they know not what they do. I'll never be able to do like Stephen, be in stone and say, lay not this sin to their charge. I'll never have that kind of love like that because that's not true. If you are saved, you have the Holy Ghost and the Holy Ghost will give you the power to love your spouse and love your children, love your neighbor and even love your enemy. And even your ex or your in-laws or your outlaws. Y'all with me? I don't know why God's got me around these people. Well, it's easy to love people that's like you. But see, God wants you to love like Jesus. So he'll put you around unlovable people. So when you get around that jerk this week, just say, God's teaching me to love. <laughs> yeah, boy. Y'all know y'all going to be tested this week when y'all learn this. Watch what it says. The kind of love we need, the kind of love we need is shed abroad in our hearts by the Holy Ghost. Then it says this, Galatians 5.22. Galatians 5.22. But the fruit of the Spirit is what? Love. Love. Wow. Then look, joy, peace, long-suffering. Remember patience? Gentleness, goodness. Gentleness and goodness. We can put the word kind there, right? Faith, meekness, temperance. Again, isn't that amazing? Doesn't, doesn't all of those descriptions kind of define love? What does that mean when we have the Holy Spirit? When we have the Holy Spirit. Now, I know what you're thinking. <clears throat> I know what you're thinking. Because <laughs> God just told me. <clears throat> and I'm psychic. <laughs> Preacher, I've been saved a long time. I'm kidding about them other two things, right? I'm, 
I'm just cutting up. I've been saved a long time, and I haven't acted like that. I thought I got the Holy Ghost when I got saved. You did. But when are you going to let the Holy Ghost have you? Now, we don't believe, we don't believe that you get some of the Holy Ghost and then when you, you, you get, you know, then you get some more of him and we're Baptists. We believe you get him all. He's the person of the Godhead. How do you get half of him? That's not the deal. Being full of the Holy Ghost doesn't mean, he, that means to be controlled. It means to be influenced. Y'all with me? And, and see, the thing is this. You, you have the power in you. You have the Holy Spirit in you. You have that love in you. But you have to be influenced by the Holy Spirit. You have to submit and surrender to the Holy Spirit and say, Holy Spirit, use my mouth. Use my mind. Lord, don't let me say anything I don't need to say. Lord, help me to love them like Jesus did. I don't believe Stephen, I don't believe he did what he did on his own. I believe Stephen was able to say, lay not the sin of their charge, because if you see in that same chapter, there was somebody standing on the right hand of the Father on his behalf. And that was the Lord Jesus. What does that mean? You have the Holy Spirit if you're saved, but are you walking in the Spirit? Are you submitting to the leadership of the Spirit? What does the Bible say? If, if, if we will follow the Spirit, if we'll be filled in the Spirit, if we'll be led by the Spirit, we will not fulfill the lust of the flesh. How many of y'all know our flesh is selfish? Our flesh wants our own way. Let me tell you what's wrong with most marriages. Selfishness. Selfishness. I'm just going to tell you, man, when I, it's, a, it's a God's one to tell me stay with me in the early days. Sometimes in the latter day. <laughs> Man, I was selfish. Young, immature, just cared about, the only thing I cared about was what I wanted. Selfish. And in our natural state, that's how our flesh is. But boy, when we surrender to the Holy Spirit, God puts in us a love and a care and a desire for other people. And, 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 and this is what Jesus is trying to tell them. Let me, let me give you number two. Let me give you number two. Let's write this down. What was number one we see in? Come on, everybody. We see in expectation. Number two, write this down. <clears throat> we see an example. I think that's what it is. Isn't it? Yeah. We see an example. Watch what Jesus says. He didn't just tell them to love them. He told them how. He said, I want you to love one another like, like I love you. Now, go back to the first part of that chapter. Look in your Bibles. John chapter number 13. Look at the first chapter. Look at the first chapter. Or first verse, excuse me. Chapter 13, verse 1. <coughs> now, before the feast of the Passover, when Jesus knew that his hour was come, that he should depart out of this world unto the Father. Watch this. Having loved his own which were in the world, he loved them unto the end. Verse 3. 
Jesus, knowing that the Father had given all things into his hand, and he was come from God and went to God, he rises from supper, lay aside his garments, and took a towel and girded himself. After that, he poured water into a basin and began to wash the disciples' feet and to wipe them with a towel wherewith he was girded. How did Jesus love? He had a love, A, write this down, he had a love that serves. He has a love that serves. <clears throat> love will always express itself. How many of y'all have ever heard the phrase, talk is cheap? What speaks louder than words? You can say how much you love somebody all you want. But if your deeds do not respond to your words, y'all with me? You can tell a man, you know, be thou warmed and filled and don't give him a jacket or something to eat. It's not helped him at all. Y'all with me? But what, what does it say? What does it say? He got down and washed their feet. He got down and washed their feet. You know what? If we truly love people, we don't mind serving now, what's going to have to take place? What's going to have to take place for us to wash somebody's feet? For some, a miracle. Amen. <laughs> my, my, my wife is not a feet person. She said she's not going to touch nobody's feet. She says, I, 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 I don't want nobody to touch my feet. I ain't going to touch nobody's feet. And, you know, amen, she said. <clears throat> but what did it take for the master, the Lord, to do the job of a lowly servant? You know what it took? Come on. Love. love. Now, what did love do in him? It showed humility. What, what is humility? It's the opposite of everything we read. Vaunteth not itself, puffeth not up. In other words, not boastful, not arrogant. The opposite of that is humility. Let me tell you why some of us don't love. It's not because they're a jerk. It's not because they're a terrible person. It might be because we're too prideful. Preacher, I'm just having a hard time loving somebody. Well, maybe the problem is not them. Maybe the problem is you. See, they, they, they may have been a jerk all the time. Jesus loved people. Jesus loved people that was nailing to a cross. How many of y'all was here a couple weeks ago when we studied uh, 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 Judas? How many of y'all say, raise your hand. Come on, raise your hand. I don't see how many you was here when we studied Judas. You remember what we said? He was a traitor. He knew he was going to be a traitor. The whole time throughout the dinner, he put him in a place of honor. He even dipped the sop and gave it to him as the host would someone they were trying to honor. When they came to get him in the garden, he was there, and he was extremely, extremely exhausted from praying and sweat become his great drops of blood. And here comes Judas, and what did Jesus call him? Friend. Friend. That's how he treated a traitor. That's how he treated somebody who was going to betray him and, and lead him into the crucifixion. You see, it's not about the other person. It's not about what the other person does or does not do. It's not whether the other person is good or not good to you. What determines whether we love is completely on us. And that might be a pride problem. You know, before some of us have the ability to love, we may have to ask God to break our hearts. Amen. 
He did that for Peter. A love that serves. You willing to serve someone? You know, it, it, this, goes, this goes back. This goes back to what we said Sunday. <clears throat> if you truly love one another, you, you won't mind serving in the church. Well, I just don't have time. No, come on. Everybody has time to do what they want to do. B, Jesus' love is a love that, A, a love that serves. Then B, it's a love that sacrifices. It's a love that sacrifices. Look what it says in John 15. <coughs> John 15, 12. <clears throat> this is my commandment, that you love one another as I have loved you. Watch what he says. Greater what? Hath no man than this, that a man what? Lay down his life for his friend. He says, I want you to love one another. Now, what, 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 is, what is Jesus seeing? <clears throat> let's, let's just close our eyes for just a second and imagine, okay, Jesus is seeing this. He's seeing a, a traitor come out and a traitor being revealed, the disciples whose, whose faith is, what did we say, wobbly? Remember last week we said it was, it was fragile, it was wobbly, and now one of their own, an insider, someone they had a ton of confidence in, someone they had a ton of respect for, he, he, he's, he turns out to be the devil himself. And our master, our comforter, our guide, our king, our mentor, our Messiah is going to be in chains. He's going to be spit upon and he's going to be crucified. And our number one disciple, the head honcho, the one who was the most vocal out of them all, is going to deny Jesus three times. Can you imagine? Can you imagine the business meeting that week? How many of y'all been in church over five years? How many of y'all know church people can be mean? It's a, it's a shame. It's a shame that two men can have a bar fight on Saturday and buy each other a drink on Monday. And someone can sit in the wrong seat in church and have a grudge that causes a, a feud for ages. In the church. Now, if you, if you think that that's not reality, I, I, hope, I hope that you don't understand that and you know, you've never been experienced to that or, or, or exposed to that and you just need to thank Jesus in heaven. But there's people today that will never darken another door of a church because somebody was unbelievably mean to them. Now, I will say this. I will say this. Everybody's on their own. Nobody's going to be able to stand before God and say, so-and-so hurt my feelings. That's why I didn't go back to it. No, 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 no. But I'm telling you this. Some of the meanest people you'll ever find sitting beside you in church. Not this one. Be careful, Mark. I saw that. 
Can you imagine Jesus? He knows what's fixing to happen. Judas, the disciples are fleeing, they're running. What in the world is going to hold this little band of men together? What are they going to need at this time more than anything else? What are they going to need hiding up in the upper room, scared to death? Their Messiah has been crucified. Uh, they're, they're one, of the, one of their disciples, he's, he's already dead. He's already committed suicide. He went out and hung himself, and, and, and Peter denied him. He's wept bitterly, and he's just hanging by a thread. What are they going to need more than anything? Love. What is, what is Peter going to need in his failure? <laughs> why, do you think, why do you think the Bible says, ye which are spiritual? When somebody falls and messes up, ye which are spiritual. He says that because the unspiritual ones ain't going to do it. You restore such a one. You don't kick them when they're down. You didn't tell them you knew it was going to happen. You respond in and what does love do? It doesn't rejoice in iniquity. Amen? He said, man, I, I know what you're going through. I know what you're fixing to go through. And because of that, because I'm going away, I'm going to tell you this. You need to love one another. You need to love one another. Say it with me. You need to love one another. You need to love one another, you need to love one another like I loved you need to be the type of person that's willing to serve. You need to love enough to serve your brethren. You need to, you need to love enough to sacrifice. Now, we, 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 we use this, this verse, you know, greater love is no man than this, and a man lay down his life for his friends. We, we're, we, when we read that in our minds, sometimes we think that's taking a bullet for somebody. And, and in, in a way, it could be. But I believe if you, I believe if you interpret it and imply it, I believe it. you can really put this. It's not necessarily taking a bullet for somebody. It's laying aside your wishes for the benefit and blessings of someone else. It's kind of like, like what we do for our kids. You know, we have dreams and we have visions and we have wants and we have desires. We're going to cruise the world and do this and do that. And they show up. And now we got to pay for them. <clears throat> now we got to buy them, straighten their teeth out. And do this and do that and do this and do that. And you know what? We want to. You know why? Because we love the little rats. And it's not an issue. They didn't have to beg us to do that. They didn't have to ask us to do that. We want to do that because we... And I can't wait till the grandchildren arrive. It's going to be awful. Y'all, y'all, you're getting this? Laying aside it's things that, you know, you, you just don't, you don't buy. You don't have because you, you, you're sacrificing this because you want to be able to provide this. That's, that's, the, that's the point. That's the, the lesson here. Greater love is no man than this. Greater, you, you, you. There's no way you can express a love greater than when you lay aside something for the benefit of someone else. You see, Jesus' love was a love that served, and it was a love that, come on, everybody, come on, everybody. 
It's a love that. But then, then, then C or three or whatever it is. C-3PO, amen. This is important. It's a love that stays. I love the, I love the way it's worded. Fear y'all, it says this. When he knew his time was up, he said he loved his own, which are in the world. And he loved them to the end. He loved them all the way. All the way. He didn't love them till it was not convenient anymore. He didn't love them till it cost him something. It's amazing how, how we say we love something or love someone or until it cost us something. He said he loved them to the end. Loved them to the end. You see, the way Jesus loved, it was a love that serves. It was a love that sacrifices, but it was a love that stays. Beareth all things. Believeth all things. Hopeth all things. Endureth all things. That, that phrase, beareth and endureth, you know what it literally means? Puts up with. You know what love does? It puts up with all things. It puts up with all things. And it's kind. It's not arrogant. It's not envious. It's not all. This is the way Jesus wants us to love each other. Do what I did. Do what I did. Love people when they're not lovable. I'm going to tell you this. I'm going to tell you this, and you take my word for this. When you get saved, Jesus is going to form you or conform you or work on you till you're like Jesus. I'm telling you. Here's what it says. Let me give you a verse. Romans, Romans, I think it's 12. It says, I beseech you, brethren, by the mercy of God, that ye present your bodies a living sacrifice, holy, acceptable unto God, which is your reasonable service. Be not conformed to this world. Be not conformed to this world, but be ye transformed. Transformed. By the renewing of your mind. Be transformed. Metamorphio, metamorphosis, transform, means change from inside out. Watch this, watch this. Romans 8, 28, we love quoting that one. I mean, it's like the, the Christian's favorite verse because we all have bad times and we all want to know everything's going to be all right in the bad times, right? All things work together. All things work together. Work means to, to, to rot how many y'all? How many y'all had? How many y'all had a granny that made biscuits the old-fashioned way? Put them ingredients in that bowl and just worked it. Little of this and little of that and worked it and worked it. That's what. That's what. That's what. He, the, here's the description. Your, your life is a bowl, and God's gonna throw some happy things in there. 
God's going to throw some heartbreaking things in there. God's going to th throw some things and you think you're going to die. And then God's going to put some stuff in there that's going to be so jubilant, so rejoicing, you're going to think you're walking on air and what, just riding the mountaintop. And you're going to have experiences you ain't, what in the world's he doing to me? And he's working them together. All things work together for good. Even though you think you're dying, even though you think God has lost his mind, even though you think God doesn't know what he's doing, he's working it. All things work together for good to them that love the Lord, then that are called according to his purpose. He's got a purpose. He's got a purpose. He's got a plan. He's got an end in mind. He's got an outcome in mind. He's not doing anything haphazardly. He's not doing anything just because he said, well, let's try this. Let's see how he takes this. Let's and see how she goes through this tragedy or trauma. No, he's got, a, he's got an end in mind. He's got a purpose in mind. According to his purpose. What's his purpose? The very next verse. Don't stop there. Keep reading. For whom he did foreknow, he did predestinate to be conformed to the image of his son. So what does God do? The moment you get saved, he starts bringing things in your life. He starts taking things out of your life. He starts working things. Working things. So that every day that you live, the closer you get to the time of his arrival, you're going to be more and more like Jesus. And, and part of that is loving people like Jesus. Because remember, it was a command. It was an order. It was a mandate. It was not a suggestion. He wants you to love your enemy like Jesus loved his enemy. And how are you going to do that? He's going to put you around some of them. He's going to put people in your life that you want to choke to death. Run over with a car. Twice. I'm serious. And you're going to have to make a choice. Because love is not a feeling. You're not going to feel like loving them. You're not going to feel like helping them. You're not going to feel like blessing them. You're not going to feel like doing any of that. You're going to feel like killing them. But you're going to make a choice because Jesus made a choice. We were not lovable when he came to us. He loved us in our present condition. Somebody say amen. And God is going to give you the ability to make a choice to love them even though they're mean to you. Even though they're, been, listen, vicious towards you or show animosity towards you. God's going to give you a choice. And when you make that choice, when you make that choice, God is going to give you the ability to do it. If you choose to. Don't sit here and say, I can't do it. I know you can't do it. God's not asking you to do it. God's asking you to choose to do it, and he will do it through you. The love of God, not the love of Griggs. He didn't ask you to love him with Griggs' love. It ain't no count. It didn't say the love of y'all is spread abroad in our heart. It didn't say the love of Carter. It says the love of God. It's shed abroad in our heart by the Holy Spirit. 
And boy, when you're confronted with that deal and you're going to be, I'm telling you, I'm telling you, God's not going to make you learn something tonight and not you face it before Sunday. And you're going to be given a choice. And I hope you say, Lord, help me. I know what I'm supposed to do because I learned it Wednesday. And I don't have it in me. But you do. So go ahead and give it to me. Amen. A love that stays. A love that sacrifices. A love that serves. Then, then number three. Don't you see the evidence? The evidence. You know what he says? It's so cool. He said, you know what, fellas? It's going to be by this that they know you're my disciple. You know, these people runs around all the time and flaunts and has the, has the Jesus sticker on the car. Got a fish magnet back there. Got a what would Jesus do on their wrist. Got a crucifix around their neck. Carry a Bible that wide. That don't mean anything. Crusaders went through the world killing people in the name of Christ. They were false Christians. He didn't say they're going to know you by, by where you go to church. He didn't say they're going to know you by, what, by what, whether your dress touches the floor or not. It's not by how many standards you have. It's not by expressing how many things you're against. Man, people can be. He said, but I tell you what. When they see a serving love and a sacrificial love and a staying through thick and thin love, you know what they're going to say? That's a Jesus follower right there. When they say your, your ex has been so mean and cruel to you and they say you loved him anyway and they say your boss has just, just treated you like dirt and you love them anyway and, and, and you love your neighbor as yourself, they're going to say, that, that person got to be a Jesus follower. Three things is love is an evidence of. Three things that love is an evidence of. First is sonship. Sonship. In other words, you're a son of God and daughter. Just means you're saved. Watch what it says in 1 John 3, 14. A primary, a primary example, a primary evidence. 1 John 3, 14. We know that we have passed from death unto life because we... We know that we have passed from death unto life because we love He that loveth not his brother abideth in death. My father, we, we, we was raised in the deep south, and my father was raised to hurt, to, to, or, well, to hurt people, but to hate people. And he said, I can't explain it. I don't know how it happened. I don't know what happened, but after I got saved, I, I couldn't hate people no more. He said, I still had hang-ups, I still had issues, but there was something that changed. Listen, if you're saved, you're going to love. Love is an evidence of sonship, and love is an evidence of discipleship. By this shall all men know that ye are my, ye are my 
What does that mean? You're, you're learning and you're growing and you're following. You're following. You're following. Say that with me. You're following. Don't, don't, don't say you're a disciple and not be following Jesus. All right? Then, then number three. Number three, or C. It's an evidence of sonship. It's an evidence of discipleship. It's an evidence of relationship. Look what it says in 1 John 4.20. 1 John 4.20. Now, now watch close. If a man say, I love God and hateth his brother, he is a... Mm. For he that loveth not his brother whom he hath seen, how can he love whom he hath... You know what he's saying? You know what he's saying? Let me tell you what he's saying. He's saying, if you tell me that you have grudge and ought and unforgiveness in your heart to your brother, don't come try to convince me you're right with God. Because you cannot be right this way without be right this way. What, what is the great evidence of being right this way? Loving your brother. And this is not just talking about your, your blood brothers, just mankind in general. Don't, 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 don't have a grudge. Don't have unforgiveness in your heart. Don't have all these issues and try to claim to be right with God. Don't think you're going to come and and, 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 and receive what you need to receive or have your prayers answered and do all these things, you need, to, you need to get that right. You need to come to God and say, God, help me to let that go. Help me to forgive that. Help me to love like you love me. Because I can't love you until I love those around me. By this. By this. Why do you think this world when I say this word, I'm talking about unconverted people. Unbelievers think that the church is so awful and full of so many hypocrites. They're not seeing this. They're not seeing love. But boy, what would happen if we asked God to help us to love people like Jesus loved them? Wow. We could turn this city upside down. And all God's people see it. Let's pray. Father, thank you.